Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Stefan and he's always smiling and I don't know what the day will be like when he's not smiling I'm gonna worry a little bit about that okay uh, but that's always a great view right there you know splitting right between the ash crafts it's like a beautiful mirage of, you know there's probably I you know and, and by the way I mean 2.0 man well done on, on the green day I think that was the first time in church the green day has been uh, I'm racking my brain now for different, uh, you know, you've raised the bar up here, man. Okay. Um, Let's see what we have. How's your soul? We asked that question last week. We're in a season, in fact, we began today, a very special season that we have each year for three weeks, which is a time of prayer and fasting. And I hope this question can help guide you a little bit through this. How is your soul? Is it hurried or worried, distracted? Do you find yourself in a cycle of accumulation? That's a tricky one right there. Seeking refuge? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's been one of those seasons of life where all you see is what's wrong. Okay? Boy, that's a tough, that's a ragged soul. Right? This is this is what the world, you know, the road we're on in our world, man, this is what the world produces, is this, man. After a while, you ride on the road of the world for a while. I don't mean worldliness. I just mean, man, around every corner, there are things that are begging us to go faster. You're not getting it done quickly enough. Do more, right? Do more. At the same time, sleep more. At the same time, don't miss the newest TV show. At the same time, you know, there, there's all kinds of things that the world is begging us to worry more, to be more distracted, to buy more and feel like we need more. In fact, the world is begging us, listen, don't be more simple, become more complex and complicated. Okay? Like buy more things that you have to take care of and all of these things. And so... This is a question that will guide us for a few weeks, is how, how is your soul? Like I said, we're in the middle of a 21-day season of prayer and fasting. Hopefully, hopefully, in these 21 days, we'll be able to identify some habits and behaviors that we've been using to cope with just the busyness of our lives, okay? There may not be a greater enemy. Here's the deal. In the past 100 years, Satan may have had it easier than he's ever had it. Because he can just kind of sit back and go, let me just watch them get busier. 
Like, I don't need to do anything, man, because the busier they get, the less they're going to be able to comprehend and ingest and understand what the gospel actually even is. Okay? So hopefully, that's one of our goals, to realign our hearts and our priorities to be consistent with God's ways. We talked about on, on Thursday, what does God value? What are his ways? And there's a very interesting theme throughout scripture is what God values and what's God's ways is that his people would be the middlemen to our world and our community of God's abundance and grace and mercy, meeting the needs, material needs, right? Food and clothing, meeting spiritual needs, spiritual blindness and spiritual apathy. He's saying, this is my, my people. I'm going to lavish them with abundance. Right? In Acts chapter 2, we see, man, when the church got together, there were no one, there was no one with any need. In fact, they met together, they met together and shared meals together with glad and sincere hearts, okay? That's the snapshot you look at and go, man, see, that's really amazing, okay? But it was a people who were aligned with God's value of, hey, we're going to help and take care of one another, okay? So part of this is a realignment. And to adjust the rhythm of our days and weeks to allow us to engage in spiritual practices that open us up to the awareness of God, to his presence and his working so that we can join him in those, right? Sometimes it's, not sometimes, it's all the time. Man, we get so busy. If somebody were to ask you, how have you noticed God working in your family, in your neighborhood, in your work? Oftentimes in the most, in the most good-hearted ways, it's so easy to say, wow, I haven't even paid attention to that. Right? Like, I've not slowed down enough for that. So part of this is an adjustment. It's 21 days, similarly to running a marathon, okay? Sometimes the first few miles, they're okay. They're kind of easy. And that's all right. But again, <laughs> as we go, it's going to be a constant level of adjustment. So, so again, what you chose to fast from, how you chose to fast, what you chose to reclaim your time, you may find those need to be adjusted over time because maybe you like either under, um, what's the right word, estimated or overestimated what you, what, what was happening, okay? And so again, um, alignment, readjustment, identification to bring us back to that really incredible passage that we all love that Jesus talks about that Matthew wrote about in chapter 11 and he said hey come to me come to me all of you guys and if you're tired and you're weary and all of those and take my yoke upon you my ways my, my um, yoke is easy and my burden is light right and it's that how do we live that out not in just hoping one day but we're actually maturing in that so Happy first day of the 21-day fast. If you're here and you're going, I'd love to participate in that, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Listen, it's not too late, okay? You can go ahead. Here's, if, if some of you who are still in the paper world, there's some paper copies up here you could take. Okay, yeah, you can have those. And the beautiful thing about this is that you can literally, like, point to anyone else in here and say, hey, can you help me do this too? Okay, it doesn't, you don't have to sit through a class and all of those different things. And if you thought, if you're sitting here and you knew the 21-day fast was coming, 
yet it still surprised you, okay? You're going, oh my goodness, that's today? It's okay. It's okay to get started, okay? I mean, and, and uh, it's going to be great 21 days. <coughs> this isn't Green Day, but it's Thoreau. <laughs> Very close. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately. To front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach. And not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. Alright, man, if there, is a, if there is a quote right there for us to absorb, to think through, because, man, we are being sucked into a vortex of, of almost feeling like life wouldn't be worth living if I can't catch up with all of my TV shows. Okay, I'm on the backside of 50 years old now. Okay? I don't know if I'll live to be 100. I don't think so. I don't yearn for that, okay? Like, I really want to be with Jesus, okay? I, I want to be with my friends and family for a while, too, okay? But what I've noticed is, is that I'm closer to meeting Jesus than I ever have been. We all are, okay? But you get on the back half of 50, and you're like, oh, you know what's interesting? Um, when, when we moved here, I was just out of my 30s. And I'm thinking, that wasn't that long ago. And my 60s are right down the road. Spring chicken, right? A babe, you know? I mean that in the spiritual sense. But here's the thing about this is, is there's a question I think we should ask is, man, what will happen? Like, as we live our lives, like what, we, what we spend our time doing and how we kind of navigate the world in a way that we hope brings meaning, will it bring meaning? Or will we, you know, if, if God allows us to live like these grand old lives where one day we just kind of fall asleep, will it be, man, I really wish I finished that show or watched that movie. I really wish I did these things. I don't think that's what we're going to be thinking. But we have an opportunity to truly live life. That's, Jesus has taught us how to do that. That's actually his teachings. It's interesting. He would have just, like, when we got baptized, he would have just, like, sucked us right up into heaven, okay, if, in fact, he didn't have a purpose for us down here to live a kingdom life down here, a full life, right? A life of meaning. And so this is one of those things, right? Um, I, I meant to change this slide because I thought this was so hippie. Soul Essentials. I will name my first album this, okay? But I thought right before I came up, I was like, did I change that slide? <laughs> the answer is no. But you get the point right here, okay? We talked last week about, you know, what happens when the world over time just kind of tears away at us and our pace of life is just out of control and we're not slowing down and, and, and we end up being a people without joy. And I introduced my word of the year. I'm a person in pursuit of that, okay, of, of, of learning and go, man, I fail miserably in this area, and I want to know why. Like, what's going on with this, okay? And 
Uh, and, and so, you know, we talked about that last week. And, you know, not far from figuring out about joy, right, is there's this concept of humility. Now, here's my hope. Man, I can't tell you the number of sermons I've sat on and I've preached. That humility was taught almost like it's something to be scared of. Like, man, be careful praying for humility. And I thought, wow, yeah. Because the, the implication was God was going to humiliate you if you didn't learn a lesson, right? Be careful praying for humility because you don't want God answering that prayer. But what's interesting is this theme very similarly to the theme of love in Scripture is everywhere. And it is a beautiful theme. And it isn't something that we need to be scared about praying for or pursuing, okay? I mean, God isn't up there going, man, I'm just waiting. Who's going to be the first to pray for humility? And, and I will utterly devastate them, okay? Is I hope we, 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 we read a couple of passages that, again, gets us kind of chewing on some things, right, to help out in our soul essentials, okay? <laughs> Mother Teresa, we're, listen, we're getting better by the quote, okay? We went from Green Day to the road, Mother Teresa. Humility is the mother of all virtues, purity, charity, and obedience. It's in being humble that our love becomes real, devoted, and ardent. If you are humble, nothing will touch you, neither praise nor disgrace, because you know what you are. If you're blamed, you won't be discouraged. If they call you a saint, you will not put yourself on a pedestal. All right? There is something about this idea of humility, okay? Humility, when we're reading about it in Scripture, has to do with importance, not value. Right? What do I mean by that, okay? Oftentimes, the very simple way of going about this is, okay, I'm going to be humble, so therefore, I am going to go and become the guy who is like, I'm, I'm terrible. There's nothing good in me. There is no good thing left in me. You know, and it's kind of like this idea of how, not, of, of kind of embracing something that I think our Father in Heaven would say, stop saying that. Right? Stop it. Right? The opposite, when we talk about this continuum of humility and pride, okay, the opposite of humility isn't like, you know, um, false um, shame or whatever it is of see how bad I can be. Right? It, it's this idea of understanding that my importance is what's at stake, meaning find myself the most important person in my life. I find myself being the person who I place the highest level of importance when it comes to knowing things and doing things and abilities and all of these things, okay? See, see, pride is telling us, listen, you should feel more important and don't let somebody make you, you know, like, like keep striving to be more and more important. Humility is this understanding of knowing who we are Okay, we're going to look at a couple passages. 
But this idea of knowing who we are and, and when every one of us, you want to know what? There's some good and there's some bad. And, and everybody, you've got some gifts and you've got some real weaknesses. We all share in that. Okay? And you want to know what? There hasn't been one of us anywhere in America, in Europe, in the world, in anything that has ever been crowned like second in charge to Jesus in his kingdom. Okay? There hasn't been one person that you've got, man, that guy, man, he can do everything. All right? That, that wasn't a gift given to anybody. In fact, we're, we'll see here in a minute, um, you know, is God accentuates the good and strengthens even our weaknesses for him to be glorified together, okay? It's not about, it's not about value, okay? I'm sorry, it's, it's about importance, not value. Okay, so, so a humble person doesn't devalue themselves. It's an understanding of how important am I to the whole scheme of things? Specifically when it comes to God and his kingdom. True humility, as C.S. Lewis says, is not thinking less of yourselves, but thinking of yourself less. Okay, that may, that may resonate with you right there a little bit to kind of get an idea of what we're talking about here. Turn over to Romans chapter 12, okay? So we're going to read right here. And, um, and, and again, we, we can't possibly go slow enough to ingest all of these words, but I hope this is a nice starting place this week. For people to be going back to, and we can be studying this on our own. Um, Romans chapter 12. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what's good and pleasing in the perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this age. Okay, that's important with what we just spoke about. Like, the conformity to our age is, listen, you need more. You don't have enough. It's the, 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 Our age is telling us, like, the world we live in is saying, man, Everything is kind of scarce. You've got to make a name for yourself in our world. You can't be important without you. You must do something to, to look spectacular. That's what the world is telling us to do and to be. He's saying, listen, don't be conformed to that, but be transformed by thinking differently. For, the, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. So he's talking about his church, okay? And, and, and again, this one line right there, I hope it's one that we keep going back to and we're praying and we're meditating on. I tell everyone not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly. And that's simply what I had just shared, which is think sensibly. There isn't a, a super Christian that owns like all of the understanding of everything in the Bible, the perfect 
plan to go forward and all those things outside of Jesus, okay? But think sensibly, okay? Meaning like, God has given you some, but not all. And God has given us enough that we all need each other's some. Like the, the body is put together that way. And he said, instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts don't have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, okay? This is so vital for true community, this idea of humility. It's so vital here, okay? And oftentimes we read these passages and we think of them in terms of our meetings on Sunday. Like when we talk about gifts, everybody has measures of faith and gifts and all those kind of things. And man, we have sold God so short when we think that way. All right? He's talking about our seven-day week. He's talking about 24-7, seven days a week, that, that with all of the parts of the body, he's like, no, I have everybody come together and one doesn't have everything. And they all have been distributed some so they would come together. I tell everyone among you, this is the key right here. Because once, once we begin thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to, all of a sudden it's kind of like that's the pebble in the, in the pond right there. It's, it just starts, like, starts spreading out because that's contagious. Because now we become a people who are competitive and comparative. All right, I've got to be better, and then I'm I'm secretly like comparing myself to everyone. Like, well, I don't know, man. What do people think about? Am I, you know, am I as spiritual as Seth? Am I as godly? I don't know, man. What do they think about when Pat gets up here and pops? I don't know about that. And then Ben singing, and like, am I like seeing the spirit? Comparative and competitiveness. Okay, that's what comes with this. Okay. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. So these are these are two passages if, you know, one of the things that I, I do with my Bible is I have these little like color tabs on them and like there are just certain aspects, there are certain pass passages of scripture that I've put like a little flag on because I'm like listen man, if somebody one day takes my Bible and I don't get it back anymore like there's 10 or 12 or 15 passages, I'm like if I got these down Everything's going to be a-okay. All right? Romans 12 is one of them. Philippians 2 is another one. Okay? Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. We do rivalry pretty good. Right? Clemson's way better than the Gamecocks. They're both better than the Seminoles. Don't let me get started by Michigan beating everybody. That's right. Yeah, there's nothing to perk a crowd up, man, like some rivalry. Okay? And, and it's, it's, it's like with anything. Man, you scratch the scab. I may have lost some of y'all, by the way, just from saying that. Okay? I didn't say nothing about the Bulldogs yet. And how great they are. And superior they are. The Fresno State Bulldogs. <laughs> 
But, but the thing is, is, man, there's that little scab, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, let's go now. Now we're fighting. Okay, you want to talk about Jesus, that was one thing. We're good at rivalry. We are. We're good at rivalry, we're good at conceit, meaning like, hey, I'm pretty much better. And, and let's go ahead. And if you're competitive, there's no way there's competition without conceit. Right? Because you want to beat people. Okay? All of these things come in. I know that, that might strike people as weird that I didn't like embrace competitiveness as a spiritual like that discipline. <laughs> no, it's not. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility, what do we do? Consider others more important than ourselves. Can you imagine? And, and I may be, again, I do a lot of probably projecting onto you, and that's, your, that's bad for you, okay? And embarrassing for me. But maybe I'm projecting. I think, how great would it be to come in a group, okay? To, to walk into a group and my first and strongest thought is considering others more important than me. How, how wonderful, because quite honestly, and this is, again, I'm sharing with you my journey of joy, but I'm also a guy on the journey of of just finding my way through seasons of depression as well. And nothing tires me out more. And nothing, nothing flares up this idea of, of, of kind of living in depression than trying to make something of myself. Nothing more tiring than that. Everyone should look out not only for its own interests, Okay, so if you're abandoning your, your duties at home and all of that, that's, the scripture said don't do that, okay? You have to take care of those things, but also for the interests of others and make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus who, existing in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men, Okay? Here's the interesting thing. One of the, to me, one of the things I really love is over the last couple of years, we, you know, this television show, The Chosen, has come out. I think they do a really great job, okay? It's done really, really well. The acting's really good. And I think one of the things that I almost hear universally from people is going, man, I really, man, like seeing this flesh and blood characters of the apostles and all these people and of Jesus and when you read the teachings of Jesus, I think we read and we go, I really love that Jesus guy. Like when you read the scripture, I think we universally come together like Jesus was awesome. Like, man, I want to be just like Jesus. I mean, the way he handled things, he wasn't rushing everywhere, but he was handling his business and it didn't seem like anything was too much for him. And he knew when to go climb a mountain and he knew when to go to the marketplace and Wow, the way he treated people. Except, isn't it easy sometimes to read a passage like that and go, but that doesn't seem like what I want. You mean he emptied himself and became the form of a slave. He brought himself under 
to meet the needs of us and the people. Right? And so again, I say that and I make that point for the simple fact that we don't forget that the very thing that's drawing us to Jesus and his way of life and how he treats people is this concept. I'm going, hey, let me take on, let me, let me become a servant to people around me. Let me understand and pay attention to the needs of those around me. Here's the interesting thing. Humility allows for the freedom to not know everything. Boy, have, have you ever been in a conversation and people are talking about a topic, whatever topic you, you want it to be, whether it's, you know, quantum physics or college football or, you know, you name it, a, a television show. And, and people are speaking, okay, and they know things about it. And you want to be included in that conversation. And so you, like, fight to come up with something, even if it's something made up. <laughs> To like join that conversation because like people got to know that I know some things about this. Okay? That is, that is a heavy, heavy burden. It takes up a lot of energy in your brain, man. I mean, you're burning glucose trying to like think about it. I mean, it's going to make us tired and nothing else. But here's what humility does. See, humility in, in its essence is saying, man, like the, how God built you with your strengths and your weaknesses and, and, and how you are with him, okay, is, man, you, you are good right there. You don't have to try to be someone else. But I'm not, I'm not talking about apathy. I'm not talking about any of these things. But, but God going, listen, you don't have to try to be someone else. You don't. Humility allows for the freedom to not know everything. Humility allows the freedom to not have to fight for importance. Okay, there's something we all want. It's to be seen as important. From anybody, from somebody, from people at work, from people at church, is humility allows for us to not have to fight for importance. So, man, I am okay right where I am with God. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Humility, humility, Allows me to not get offended. We're pretty good at that. Easily offended. Right? Humility is like, hey man, it's, it's okay. It wasn't personal. Does anybody else, do you ever have that happen? Do you ever go through seasons of life where you over-personalize what people say? Like, oh man, I know what they meant when they said that. And I, I know what, uh, you know, um, you know, whatever it is. I, I know when Keith brought that thing up about whatever. I know he's talking to me and what he really meant. So easy to overpersonalize. Humility allows us to go, man, it's, we don't actually don't have to become offended. Humility works hand in hand with faith, okay? Now, um, what we do each year is we kind of anchor ourselves to three scriptures during the 21-day fast. And it's just simply all that's, all the, the only reason that we have that in our 21-day fast is just collectively for us to maybe have kind of a focus and a focal point each week of prayer and meditation. And our first week is Hebrews 11, right? 
Humility and faith go hand in hand. Humility is the fuel of great listeners. What hurts me as a listener and what hurts us as a listener is that I'm more interested in what I'm going to say than what you're going to say. Like, I have input that I want to give, and I'm less interested in what you're talking about. Right? Humility fuels great listening. <laughs> Humility brings the freedom from comparison and extinguishes competition. Boy, these things, I don't know, man. I don't know where all this is landing with you, but I mean, I'm just saying these are human being things. And they undermine a community, man. Uh, and, and here's the deal is, this isn't trying, we're not talking about people trying to be evil and bad and all that. The world has taught me and you, as we have grown up, man, there is a pecking order. And there are some people that have value and some people that don't have value. I mean, you better fight to have value. You better fight to have importance. And, and everything is like about comparison and competitiveness, humility. Humility is the fertile soil of empathy and service. It's actually what, what helps us be able to empathize instead of criticize. See, because here's the deal is, when I know everything, right, I'm already coming up with a critique. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to try to understand. I'm not going to try any of those things, right? Humility fuels generational diversity. This is one of my greatest hopes in life. Right? I don't know what they call the generation that's just being born now. I don't know what the name it is. I don't know what letter of the alphabet we're at on our generation. You know? We got to Y? Z? Something. I mean, I'm Gen X, man. We're the silent generation, you know? I mean, everyone forgets about us. But, but the thing is, is... is Here's what humility does that I think is so vital to the church is, man, younger generations, I'm old enough now to not understand what younger generations are talking about. Like, y'all say things, and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Yep. I, I, I'm to that age, right, where I'm like, oh, man, you know, they're, they're using this terminology, you know, and, and, and you just sound like an old guy, okay? But, but here's the deal is, see, the church needs young generation and the church needs older generations like like why this is so important is because I rarely if ever come upon a church where there's a mutual appreciation generationally okay and so what ends up happening is it's like the younger generation is just like well everybody older than me is stupid so we kind of live that way and the older generations are coming. Don't ever give them the keys to the car because they're going to run us right into the river. Okay? And going, hey, you know what? Here's the deal is what, what, what will bridge that, honestly, is apprenticeship in Jesus. Okay? But there's a humility of knowing, you want to know what? How I view the world and the experiences I had that shape me are different vastly different than those that are shaping our college students and our high school students and they're different than the values and experiences that shape baby boomer generation and all of that, okay? is There's been different experiences that have shaped each one 
right? And, and humility is like getting real about appreciation and love and patience and unity generationally. And here's where we finish, okay? This is it right here. Without embracing the truth of God's love, there is no humility. Okay, turning your Bibles over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Like literally the pace of life has gotten so hectic and the demands on life have become so extreme, right? And we have been bamboozled by screens for so long now, okay? That the, the very concept of God's love is almost just like static. Like there used to be static on the radio. Like there used to be channels on TV that was just static. Okay? And in, in our world today, and so this is without embracing this, okay? First John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. And God's love was revealed among us in this way. He sent his one and only Son into the world. So that we may live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we love God. But that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You can look that word up on your own. <laughs> Mediator. Okay. Uh, here's the interesting thing about this. These are words we read. We see. We understand, we hear, this is nothing new. I don't know if we put in the hard work for this to creep its way to the depths of our heart of what it means to be loved. I don't know if we put the hard work in on that. And what I mean by that is the hard work is, is time of silence and times of solitude and times of of, of, of examination and times of, of, of communal relationships where we're considering these things, right? Because here's the interesting thing in Ephesians 5. This goes hand in hand with this, Ephesians 5. Um, go ahead and look there. This was one of my favorite verses as a young Christian. Be imitators of God. That's easy. Be imitators of God. Okay. That it says more than that. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. What does it look like? What does the hard work look like? Okay. Um, I, I grew up, I mean, my family had its stuff. You know, I mean, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't without tragedy at times, but it was a solid home life. I mean, I, I think it's pretty average overall. I mean, that wasn't like, the worst in the world, my parents stayed together. I'm just saying that because it's just like, kind of like, you know, it wasn't anything super tragic, okay? It wasn't anything like super, you know, just like everything went perfect either. I'm kind of like the middle of the road guy, okay? And when I started considering this, and this was years ago, I would have said, man, it should be pretty easy. Like I grew up and I, I knew my parents loved me. 
right? I didn't grow up in a situation that I was fear, fearful that they didn't or that I was abandoned or anything like that. And it was one of the most difficult things to sit here and actually pray to my father and admit that he dearly loves me. Because every time I did, there was an excuse why he shouldn't. As a dearly loved child, that means God going, no, 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 here, you and all your junk. Like verbalizing it. Of going, no, you are dearly loved. Not just loved. Dearly loved. Okay? It's the same in 1 John 4. Is this idea of how do we love one another well? It's understanding that we didn't love God first, but that he loved us. But what's interesting in our world is, man, most of the time, and unfortunately, is as families break down more and more, it's not a given that you're going to be raised and know what it means to be loved. In fact, by the time, oftentimes, you get to your 20s and your 30s, it's kind of like, I don't even think about that anymore. And that kind of fuels our fire of hurry and worry and accumulation and I've got to make something of myself. We're able to be truly humble. But it's like, man, God dearly loves me. Like, dearly loves, okay? Without there being, okay? And, and I don't know what the rest of that sentence goes on in your head. I don't know if you're thinking like, Keith, hold on a minute, man. You know? But this is, this is a, a quote down here, and, and I shared this quote years ago. Right? And can I tell you, I've shared it in at least three other churches. And can I tell you, it is in the top five of things that have made people angry at me as a preacher. I'm not kidding you. I mean, people have confronted me and said, dude, you can't teach that. You can't say that. There is nothing I can do to get God to love me more than he does right now, this second. And there's nothing I have done that can make him love me less than he does. Okay? Why would that make anyone angry? Everything about the story of God is saying this is true. In fact, the thing that we share, the communion, the communion couldn't be true if this wasn't true. Because if I could do something to get God to love me more, then the cross wasn't supreme. It wasn't. And, 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 and our theology cannot be that, hey, the cross is great. But man, you got to do better than that. Okay? And no matter what kind of junk we live in, all right, to say that no, you can do stuff for him to love you less is crazy theology because again, that would mean the cross can't be supreme. He didn't love us on the cross then. And so we're kind of coming at humility from the back door just a little bit here, okay? Is this idea instead of like striving and maybe even shaming yourself into being more humble? It's very difficult to be humble without grasping. And, the, and truly the hard work is, is, is prayer and meditation and scripture reading. And again, communal relationships to help us. Because here's the thing. Is, is 
It would be great to examine every reason why every person doesn't understand that they are dearly loved by God, okay? But no one has the time. There's, there's a gazillion different reasons. That's why we come together. Okay. It's very different to relate to Jesus from a distance perspective. Meaning, what I mean by that is it's very difficult to talk about a, a soul that's healthy and at the same time go, man, if I could just do a few things, he would really like me. Instead of starting from a place of closeness, Massively different starting place, right? Is this hard work? This is hard work, right? Because again, our world is telling us you're you're not lovable. What are you trying to do? What are you thinking? All oh, your mess, right? So we'll expand on this more with next week's soul essentials. How about that? <laughs> this may be a thing, man. I mean, this could really, uh, you know, make us important. <laughs> okay, let's pray. We'll be done. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC. 